Hello, my loves, and welcome to the Sensitive Collective Podcast. I am your host and healing mentor, Laura Ann, and I created Sensitive Collective to be a space where empaths and sensitives can come and receive guidance, love, and support on their own healing and empowerment journey. Whether with just me or one of my guests, we show up in vulnerability to share our own stories and insights with the intention of creating a network of support for you, dear listener. Because feeling all the feels, healing from past trauma, old patterns, and learning how to navigate and fully step into your sensitivity superpowers can feel confusing and sometimes, honestly, super lonely. But you are not alone. There are more of us empaths and sensitives waking up to our nature every single day. And the work you're doing to heal yourself and claim your power is the work that will transform both you and the entire world. And it's why we're here. So join me on this sacred journey of self-discovery, self-love, and self-healing. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll do it all together. I'm so happy you're here. Enjoy. Hey love, it's Laura and your host and healing mentor. And I wanted to pop on here and just invite you to check in with yourself as you're listening to this episode. If at any point throughout you're like, this is me, this is me, oh my gosh, this is resonating so much, this is my experience, um, and, and you're at this point in your life where you're feeling like you're tired of just treading water and you are ready to take more intentional action in creating that next level vision of life um, for yourself, then book a free discovery call with me. Let's get connected. I would love to hold space for you on this call um, so that we can gain some clarity around where you're at and um, you know what would be the right next aligned step for you moving forward to help you create a more you know, centered, grounded, and empowered existence as a sensitive and really you know, start claiming your sensitivity as a superpower. Um, it's why I'm here. Literally, it's why I created the Sensitive Collective Podcast as a free resource for you. So if you are looking to take more intentional action and uh, want to take your own you know, healing, empowerment, and personal development journey to the next level, then book that free discovery call with me. I'm linking it in today's show notes. And uh, now, without further ado, today's episode, The Sensitive's Shadow. Enjoy. Hello, my love. Welcome to the Sensitive Collective Podcast. My name is Laura Ann. I am your host and healing mentor. And in uh, our last episode, I shared what it means to be an empath, what it means to be a highly sensitive person, and uh, you know, spoke to my use of the term sensitive to include both of these. And the very important subject of the shadow aspects of sensitives came up, and that is what we are diving into today, because it's really uh, powerful work, and uh, it's about time that we talked about it on the Sensitive Collective Podcast together. So um, first things first, what is a shadow aspect? What do I mean when I talk about the shadow aspect of a sensitive? So the term shadow self was coined by a psychologist and peer of Freud, Carl Jung, 
And Jungian psychology posits that we all have a shadow self and that this represents parts of your personality that you repress or that you deny, like, for example, um, you know, jealousy, anger, greed, cowardice, etc., etc. <clears throat> and so Jung also believed that in order for you to become whole, you must acknowledge and accept your shadow self. And this process of self-acceptance is what he called shadow work. So when I talk about the sensitive's shadow aspects, yes, it's absolutely related to Jung's definition of shadow self and you know that whole body of work in psychology. Uh, but it's different in that um, the sensitive's shadow aspects aren't parts of self that you're necessarily repressing, but rather are parts of yourself that are rooted in wounding and that have manifested themselves because of your sensitivity, but in a disempowering way. You hear me you know, talk all the time about sensitivity as a superpower. Well, these shadow aspects are the tender underbelly of our sensitivity, so to speak. Um, I like to use the term shadow aspects because we are often unaware of them, would probably try suppressing them if we could, and um, that they're parts of ourselves we need to acknowledge and accept if we ever wish to be whole and empowered as sensitives. So why do these shadow aspects manifest? Um, the sensitive's shadow aspects are parts of your personality and selfhood that manifested out of necessity for your survival within your family, your peer group, and your community. So for sensitives, shadow work means working with these common shadow aspects and doing this work supports your shift into a more peaceful, loving, empowered, and whole state of being. Doing shadow work requires you to first bring awareness to those aspects of yourself and then to bring more understanding and compassion around the why of it so that you may accept rather than reject the shadow. Because when we, when we deny a part of ourselves, even a shadowy part, we might not rather have to deal with, right? Um, when we deny a part of ourselves, we actually make it worse. It exacerbates the problem. You know, we create more separation and um, increased disconnection within ourselves as a result, which causes more pain and suffering. And, um, you know, you may have heard this before, but in short, what we resist persists. Accepting the shadow is part of radical self-love and an essential step on the healing journey to wholeness. Um, so that's why I talk about myself as being a recovering people pleaser. That shadow aspect, it's part of me. I don't reject it. 
but instead I acknowledge and accept this shadow part of myself, this aspect of me who learned that this was how I avoided conflict and rejection and received love. And now that I've done the work around it, I am so much better resourced with the knowledge and awareness and practices to support me in showing up differently. So today I am covering for y'all the six most common sensitive shadow aspects that I've encountered. Um, And they are as follows, people pleasing, intense inner critic, self-doubt, analysis paralysis, overwhelm overload, and self-isolation station. So I invite you to take a moment, press pause, grab some pen and paper, um, and take note of anything that resonates or feels significant for you as we go through this episode together. And that way you will have a bit of a, a roadmap and some direction for yourself to start doing your own shadow work. So first of all, people pleasing. Um, thankfully, there is a lot more information out about people pleasing now. And so uh, there's a much higher level of awareness for folks that this is actually a thing. Um, people pleasing refers to putting uh, others' needs before and above your own. For example, your mother-in-law asks if you can host Thanksgiving this year, and even though you really, 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 really don't want to and are dreading it three months ahead of time already and getting anxiety about all of the things having to do with the day itself, you don't voice any of this to her, and instead you say, sure, no problem. Um, So in its most simple definition, people-pleasing is just saying yes when you really want or need to say no. You have this drive to please others even at the the expense of yourself, even at the expense of your own well-being. And it's one of the most common shadow aspects for a sensitive and one that is rooted in your nervous system as a trauma response. I want to normalize this for you, right? It's, it's very, it's, I don't think I've ever met a sensitive who doesn't have people pleasing as a shadow aspect on some level. Um, and it, it really, people pleasing is a trauma response. It's a fun trauma response. You don't feel safe. You're afraid of rejection, of conflict, of pain of some kind. And so you go along with the desires or needs of others to minimize risk to yourself. You learned to do that real early on in your life as a kid. And as a sensitive, you are incredibly attuned to the unspoken wants and needs of others as well. So people-pleasing can dictate a huge majority of the way you show up in relationships with others and even become a personality trait that you may take pride in and are praised by others for having. Um, You know, she's so selfless. She always gives so much of herself. She's such a helper, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. 
Uh, side note, this is also a, a trait that um, makes the formation of codependent relationships that much easier to happen, which I'm going to get to again later on. Um, but people pleasing, it's one of the methods we sensitives have developed and, and really rely on to feel loved, appreciated, and valued by those around us. And so it can feel terrifying to, to shift out of that dynamic. People-pleasing, it's rooted in your I'm unworthy of love wound. When this shadow aspect is at play, you are on a path to burnout, overwhelm, illness, and deeply seated resentment towards those in your life, um, a resentment that will infect and undermine all of your relationships. I used to be very caught up in this shadow aspect in pretty much all arenas of my life. Um, in my personal relationships, I was constantly putting other needs before my own. Uh, and it was one of the things that really opened me up to being drawn into emotionally abusive and manipulative relationships. Because guess what? Manipulators and narcissists have people pleaser radar. They are actively looking for people who are already susceptible to being victimized and controlled. And people-pleasing is a signal fire behavior for them. Um, even though I will say in my healthy relationships, including friendships, I can see how people-pleasing created a misalignment. Because ultimately, um, it is a self-betrayal. And it does breed resentment because... Um, you know, your boundaries are constantly being violated, but because you're not vocalizing that those boundaries are being violated, it, you know, the, the anger that comes from having someone cross a boundary, it kind of sinks beneath the surface down into like this base layer of resentment that starts to build over time. So um, that's one of the ways that you can, if you're not, if you're like, uh, you know, it's become such a baked in part of the way that you operate. Maybe you're not, you're like, am I a people pleaser? Is that something that I do? I think it is. Start to feel into your relationships and see, you know, do I resent the way that I'm asked to show up in my relationships? And very often that's kind of the signal post for you to people pleasing behavior. Um, for me, people-pleasing was a major player in burning out and eventually becoming uh, chronically ill. I was just, even with work, especially with work, I was putting the needs of uh, my work and my clients above my own and it led to just like this consistent effort at pouring from an empty cup and you can only do that for so long without hitting a wall. Um, for me, doing the shadow work and learning how to listen to and meet my own needs and self-advocate has been a truly transformational journey. And it's why I can now say that I am a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> it's not something that I'm active in most of the time. Um, so the second uh, most common shadow aspect 
is the intense inner critic. I know, I know. I talk about inner critic a lot. And that's because it's another super common issue for sensitives. It's it's just, um, it's a shadow aspect that most of us have. And you know, all humans have an inner critic. Uh, this, this is a part um, of your internal risk management team that kind of susses out things you, you might ought to look out for and often will um, cut you down or reject you first to prevent you from um, having that experience or receiving that treatment from others. And inner critic's intensity is often really amplified for sensitives because of the messaging and programming that we receive around being sensitive. Like sensitivity is synonymous with weakness. I know I talked a lot about that in the last episode. And it's this cultural and societal programming we receive via osmosis through you know, the media, religion, school, etc. Um, that is compounded by the specific traumatic experiences you have in your childhood and you know, throughout your life and you know, young adulthood, is especially in adolescence, that confirm the stories you've been told about being sensitive um, and the beliefs that you, you internalize as a result, you know, that there's something wrong with you, that you're too weird or too much or not enough. Inner critic is the internalization of all of the judgment and criticism you have received throughout your childhood, adolescence, young adulthood. And because you're a sensitive, harsh criticism and judgment was often brutally internalized and had a much more profound effect on you. And so you do it to yourself to prevent yourself from being a put in position from, to prevent yourself from being um, put in a position for others to do that to you. For me, my intense inner critic, she is always trying to keep me small and safe. That's like her mission statement. Um, and, and that looks like, you know, criticizing all my creative pursuits, criticizing my appearance, my intelligence, my capability, and almost always when I do the shadow work with her, it comes back to a fear of not being good enough. Learning how to work with my own intense inner critic catapulted me into a whole new reality and a completely different and much healthier relationship dynamic with myself. And um, inner critic work, it's a cornerstone of my approach to healing mentorship with my clients because it has such potential to create massive shifts and massive transformation. Okay, the third most common shadow aspect is self-doubt. As sensitives, we process things at such a deep level and so often intuit the subterranean truths that others miss. Because of this, we will frequently get reactions of, no, that can't be right, or you're making that up, or you know some version of that. And over time, those experiences can cause us to doubt our inner knowing and our intuition. Now, I can't tell you how many times I have heard, am I crazy from sensitives, right? From empaths, from highly sensitive people that I'm talking to. They're like, am I crazy? Is it just me? 
um, because pretty much all of us have been made to feel this way because of the unique gifts we possess by the very nature of being sensitives. The more people look at you weird or you hear a hushed whisper in the background about you or um, folks actually outright call you crazy to your face, the more you start to internalize this belief and begin to doubt your own interpretation of things. It's not hard to see how a person's confidence and trust in them, how a person's confidence and trust in themselves can get seriously shaken over time. Uh, another layer to the sensitive's self-doubt is that you have learned um, to value the opinions of others above your own. It's kind of a deeper internalization of the not enough unworthiness wound turned inwards where people pleasing is that not enough unworthiness wound turned outward with people pleasing you put others needs before your own with self-doubt you value other people's opinions above your own in both instances you're putting yourself last and you're making yourself less than. And on top of that, you actually get positive reinforcement for this. When you get outside validation of your opinions or beliefs, you get that much sought after hit of love and acceptance and a hit of serotonin to boost. Um, but ultimately, you know, over time, this shadow aspect and, and, tendency towards self-doubt will leave you second-guessing yourself in lieu of other people's opinions and points of view. And it's one of the reasons um, inside of a healing mentorship container that I really encourage my clients to ask me all of their questions uh, during our time together, uh, no matter how small or silly they may seem. Because when they do through this process, um, often what they find is that my answer is something that they already knew, but were second-guessing themselves around and, and doubting themselves around. My love, you have the answers. Your higher self knows what it is that you need. And um, there's a certain learning, uh, a relearning and a, a returning back to a state of, of trust with yourself that um, is, is a part of doing the work uh, with, with this shadow aspect. You know, over the last decade, my own self-belief and self-confidence and self-assurance has, has grown exponentially um, and the shadow aspect still comes up to play, especially in new groups or when I'm freshly dating someone or if I'm trying something new inside of my business. So just keep in mind, shadow work, it's again, not about eradicating these aspects of self for all time. It's about acknowledging, understanding, and accepting them. Next on the list is analysis paralysis. Now, you may be starting to see how all of these shadow aspects are interconnected, as is everything and as are we all. Um, Analysis paralysis is also rooted in an unworthy wound and has ties to perfectionism. 
You know, analysis paralysis is the shadow aspect of our ability to process information deeply because it's essentially processing overdrive, overanalyzing, going into excruciating detail, trying to get the perfect answer or see the perfect plan or have perfect understanding, you know, following all possible paths, including those you don't have solid confirmation around or you're just wildly conjecturing about. And so you get stuck in this cycle, unable to make a decision, unable to take action and feeling just really ungrounded and helpless. It's the false expectation of perfection that allows the cycle of analysis paralysis to perpetuate itself because the root for this shadow is the unworthy, not enough wound. You're afraid if you make the wrong conclusion, if you take the wrong action, you will be rejected. You will be unloved. You will not be worthy of love or success or abundance or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. This happens to me the most in my business these days. Um, When it does show up, I will get really overwhelmed with all the possible paths moving forward and you know, get in that state of analysis paralysis. And so I, I can't take any step forward, um, you know, fearing that if I take the wrong step, it's going to prove that I'm a failure or unworthy of my mission in like some fundamental way. Um, thankfully, I have done a ton of work around this and I also have my own coach and mentor who can help guide me through this shadow aspect when it arises. Um, Next up is overwhelm, overload. Overwhelmed is one of the most common adjectives I hear sensitives use to describe their state of being. So in those discovery calls that I have um, with y'all to see about working together and I'm asking, you know, how are you feeling? What motivated you to connect with me? One of the most common things I hear is I'm just really overwhelmed and feeling totally overwhelmed and um overwhelm overload is really connected to and layered by all of the other shadow aspects of a sensitive because when you have one or a few um or all of these shadow aspects at play who wouldn't feel overwhelmed it just kind of makes sense that that would be a state that you would be in um So overwhelm overload is a shadow aspect rooted in not being grounded in oneself and um, manifests when there is a lack of boundaries um, and structure and it feels nearly impossible to have a clear understanding and sense of priorities. Everything starts to feel like a crisis. Everything starts to feel like it's all tied at first place in vying for your attention and your energy. And it becomes this kind of self-propelling cycle of total overwhelm. You're a people pleaser. So you never have enough time for yourself to decompress and recharge, which means you're always running on half a tank or on empty and you find yourself feeling resentful of your people because 
they expect too much from you and they don't appreciate all that you sacrifice for them, even though you never really let on to them that it's a sacrifice, but they should still know and be thankful and appreciative. And so you find yourself getting more reactive with the folks than you'd like, and that's exhausting. And then on top of that, you're exhausted and overwhelmed because your inner critic is constantly, constantly yelling at you in the background about how gosh awful you are and you're too fat to wear that and why are you even bothering and no one cares what you have to say and you weren't good enough anyway. That is just with two shadow aspects that we're going through and many of us have most of them or all of them to contend with. No fucking wonder we're feeling overwhelmed. That is a lot to deal with on any given day. So really, if we look at overwhelm overload, there's a lot of different paths to that place. There's many different ways to get into that state, but they end with you feeling just totally wiped out, little to no energy, and this kind of um, pervasive sense of it's all just too much and I can't do it, which which is one of our core limiting beliefs as sensitives, that we can't do it. And so that only serves to deepen the conviction that that limiting belief is true and then push you further into that state of overwhelm. This shadow aspect is one that that really benefits from stepping into the role of curious observer and, and peeling back some of the layers to get clarity around why you're feeling overwhelmed. What other shadow aspects are influencing this state of being? Which of those shadow aspects feel the most egregious? And and start start the work there. Uh, Self-isolation station next on the list. Um, Truthfully, sensitives, we need more rest than most people. Sensitives need time to ourselves to decompress and recharge our energy stores. We need time alone to self-reflect and work through that complex inner life that we have to reconnect with ourselves and check in to see what it is that we need so that we can meet our needs. And very often when I'm feeling like I'm in overwhelm overload, like we just talked about, that is the rationale that I cling to in order to let myself self-isolate. And, you know, we learned as sensitives to self-isolate super early on in life as a survival strategy, and it is part of your trauma response repertoire, right? Um, Self-isolation is a part of the freeze and flight response within your nervous system. When you self-isolate, you are hiding. You are insulating yourself from whatever perceived threat is lurking out there. You know, whether it be unreturned text messages, uh, whether the unperceived threat uh, or the perceived threat is in social media or lurking at dinner parties or at the park or book signings, coffee shops, right? Um, Withdrawing feels like it's what's needed for self-preservation, but it becomes too much pretty, pretty fast. And then it keeps you cut off from the people and the places that give you purpose and they give your life a sense of meaning. You know, humans, we are 
we are tribal animals. We are, we are wired for community. And sensitives are heart-led to be of service. It's why we're here on earth, to help others. It's sort of baked into us. Um, and so when we get stuck at self-isolation station, we become disconnected from our purpose and so further disconnected from our higher self. And this separation often leads to a depressed state of being. I myself am a frequent traveler to self-isolation station and um, one of the most, it's, it's one of the most challenging shadow aspects for me to recognize in time and take action around even now uh, after many years of working with it. And I will still often find myself rationalizing it away, as I mentioned earlier, as um, my kind of introverted, sensitive need for quote-unquote alone time. But when I allow myself uh, and, and create for myself the time and space to get curious and to reflect, I can usually recognize um, and see you know, the difference between the, the two things pretty quickly. It's like, is this, this me being like healthy and creating some space for me to recharge? Or am I arriving full, full steam into self-isolation station? Um, so again, it's, it's not about destroying this shadow aspect. The shadow work, it's learning to recognize it, to understand it, and accept it. And sometimes doing that, it just gives me more compassion and grace for myself while I'm self-isolating. <laughs> um, but a lot of the time, doing that shadow work it actually will help me shift into another state of being. It'll help me leave self-isolation station. So these have been the six most common shadow aspects for sensitives. People-pleasing, the intense inner critic, self-doubt, analysis paralysis, um, overwhelm overload, and self-isolation station. I'm curious how many of them resonated with you. Which is the most prevalent for you? Um, you know, jot that down for yourself. I would also love to hear those answers from you um, and would love to know, you know, if this episode resonates with you, please email me or um, DM me on Instagram and share you know, which shadow aspect you are going to be working on first. And of course, I'll link ways to connect with me in today's show notes. Um, you know, my own coach reminded me recently that doing the work with yourself is like tending a garden. There are seasons. It isn't always pretty or productive. And that is okay. Let's normalize that. This work, it's never a one and done situation but rather a continual relationship of learning, growth, and practice. So just bear that in mind as you step into doing your own shadow work. As always, I will love to close today's episode with a reminder that you're doing the best you can where you're at with what you've got, and I love you. <laughs>